Thanks for listening to The Red Treehouse, where I tell scary stories to keep you up at night. You can listen to The Red Treehouse on your favorite streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Oh, and leave a five-star review. You can follow The Red Treehouse on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Red Treehouse Pod. And if you have a scary story or topic you'd like me to feature on an upcoming episode of The Red Treehouse, email redtreehousepod at gmail.com. Important note, sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. You're startled out of a deep sleep by the sound of the doorbell ringing. Groggy, you glance at the clock on your bedside table. It's 3 a.m. Unsure of what you heard, and thinking the sound was part of a dream, you put your head back down on the pillow and try to fall back asleep. Just as you drift off, you hear it again. The unmistakable sound of your doorbell ringing. This time, you sit straight up in bed, senses heightened. You think to yourself, it's 3 a.m. Who the hell is ringing my doorbell? As you slide off the bed, you hear the doorbell ring a third time. Now you're moving with purpose as you head down the stairs with a baseball bat in your hand. You flip the light switch to turn on the porch lights with no luck, and you tuck the bat inside the door frame as you open the door. Standing there, silhouetted against the darkness of the night, are two children. They appear to be elementary school age. They're both looking down, as if staring at their feet. You start asking a series of questions. Who are you? Are you okay? Where are your parents? Did something happen? You ask again and again, but they stand there silently staring at the floor. Suddenly, you take in a few more details. It's cold outside, and as a stiff breeze kicks up, you realize the kids are wearing thin clothing. Something feels wrong. But feeling compassion, you invite them in and offer to call their parents. Before you can finish your invitation, they pick their heads up. And as a scream starts to form in your throat, you notice their eyes. Pitch black, like dark, lifeless holes. Depending on who you ask, the black-eyed children, also known as black-eyed kids, are among the most mysterious and scary urban legends. Where some creepypastas and urban legends are fantastical and mythical, the legend of the black-eyed children sounds plausible. Kids needing help or a favor. And perhaps the thing that makes the black-eyed children even scarier is that they use our compassion and empathy against us. Because make no mistake, The black-eyed children are not cute, cuddly, 
or in need of help. They knock at your door. And once you invite them in, it's the beginning of the end. Their goal? To kill you. In this episode of The Red Treehouse, we're going to explore the scary phenomenon of black-eyed children and consider these questions. What makes the black-eyed children so scary? And how would you respond if one night you opened the door to find them standing there? I'll share the details. You decide for yourself. I'm your host, Will. Welcome to the Red Treehouse. The origin of black-eyed children is a topic of ongoing debate and discussion. There are some reports claiming they've existed since at least the 1980s, while other reports claim they originated in 1996. According to legend, reporter Brian Bethel detailed two encounters with, quote, black-eyed kids, end quote. The first was his own experience in Abilene, Texas. The second was another person's experience in Portland, Oregon. Here's an excerpt of his report from the first encounter. Quote, I had gone down to the former site of Camelot Communications, one of the area's original internet providers, to pay my bill. At the time, Camelot was located on North First Street, near the movie theater, in the shadow of what is now Chase, then Bank One. I was using the light of the theater's marquee to write out my check, which I planned to put in Camelot's night drop slot. Involved in my work, I never heard them approach. There was a knock on my driver's side window. Two young boys, somewhere between 9 to 12 years old, and dressed in hooded pullovers, stood outside. I cracked the window a bit, anticipating a spiel for money, but I was immediately gripped by an incomprehensible, soul-wracking fear. I had no idea why. The spokesman, as I've come to think of him, told me that he and his companion needed a ride. They wanted to see a movie, Mortal Kombat, but they had left their money at their mother's house. Could I give them a ride? Plausible enough. But all throughout this exchange, the irrational fear continued and grew. I had no reason to be frightened of these two boys, but I was. Terribly. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. The last part was a bit unnerving. In the short time I had broken the gaze of the spokesman, something had changed, and my mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming 
terror. Both boys stared at me with coal black eyes, soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. End quote. From there, sightings of black-eyed children increased, and the phenomenon spread like wildfire. What's interesting, though, is there is no consensus on what black-eyed children actually are. Sure, they present as children, but some believe they're extraterrestrials, vampires, ghosts, or spectral figures. And they've been seen in different locations, on your front porch, hitchhiking at night, and approaching as you sit at a stoplight or gas station. No one knows how, when, or why they show up. A Business Standard article titled Legend of the Black-Eyed Children, dated March 13, 2020, states, quote, Conspiracy theorists believe that black-eyed children are aliens trying to reach out to their Earth. Demonologists believe they are children of the devil himself, and if you let them in, you are allowing the devil to enter your life. They want to enter your home to call their parents. However, upon making eye contact, it seems like there is a much sinister plot to the story. End quote. No matter the person, there's a common denominator in every black-eyed children encounter. Overwhelming terror. Maybe it's their pitch black eyes set against their pale skin, or that they seem so unassuming and don't look threatening. Maybe it's the feeling of being invaded, their insistence on being let into your home or car. In fact, there might be psychological, even scientific explanations for what make them so scary, if only in a roundabout way. Black-eyed children play on two specific phobias. The first is scopophobia, which is defined as, quote, an excessive fear of being stared at, end quote. The second is pedophobia, or aphibophobia, which is defined as, quote, an irrational fear of children, adolescents, or teenagers, end quote. Let's be honest. Eye contact can be uncomfortable for many people, and prolonged eye contact can feel awkward. A Scientific American article titled, When Our Gaze is a Physical Force, dated December 29, 2020, states, quote, Recent studies demonstrate that humans attribute gaze with physical properties. Gaze is an elemental form of communication that can coordinate activities and convey social dynamics without a gesture or spoken word." End quote. There is something happening when we make eye contact with another person. So imagine the terror of making eye contact with black-eyed children. Think with me for a second of the scariest movie you've seen involving scary kids. Hereditary, The Exorcist, The Omen, The Babadook, and The Sixth Sense all come to mind. In some cases, they look sweet and innocent. But something is just off about them. 
In other cases, they're depicted as cold, unfeeling, and uncaring. And in every case, they're creepy as hell. In movies, they're often the antagonist or villain, wreaking havoc on those around them. What makes scary kids so scary is we don't expect children to be the embodiment of evil. It's a jolt to our sensibilities for a child to act outside of established expectations. So, when we hear stories of children being possessed by demons, terrorizing communities, or worse, committing murder, we rightly recoil. But what about those who have claimed an encounter with black-eyed children? Let's explore three encounters from Reddit. Encounter number one is from Reddit user Mucosal Membrane, which is a throwaway account. Quote, I believe I've encountered black-eyed children over a decade ago in rural Appalachia. This has always low-key disturbed me. Keeping in touch to this day, we've never brought it up again. We were at a local or state park sort of place between 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. I remember we were parked alongside the woods and some picnic tables. It was desolate, and we were technically trespassing. I was a 17-year-old female with a 15-year-old male at the time, and what we were doing there you can leave to your imagination. As our curfews were approaching and we were finishing up our time together, we experienced a very ominous feeling. He was in the driver's seat preparing to start the car and pull off. Except the car doesn't start. We sort of laughed it off as it wasn't the first time, and we started talking. Suddenly to the right, on the passenger side where I was sitting, we see faint lights coming out of the woods. The ominous feeling intensified. Emerging from the woods were four or five children. They were younger than us appearing to be 7 to 11 years old. I'm not going to claim they had black eyes. It was dark and I don't remember as I was shaken. I didn't read about the black-eyed children lore or phenomenon until years later, and it described everything else that we experienced. All I can say is they were not normal. They didn't belong. The cabins at the park were not occupied. They weren't even getting rented out as it was autumn or winter and we were miles from the park's hotel. Another thing, there were no adults. They were out of place. What were the lights? I don't know. But the closest thing I can compare them to are glow sticks, as if they had opened a package of those novelty glow sticks that include bracelets, necklaces, or wands. But it wasn't like they were having fun or goofing off. They just stopped stood there and stared at us. He tried asking what they were doing, if they were lost and where their parents were. No response. The oldest looking male child, a bit heavy set with a gray hoodie on, approached the vehicle just in the front where the passenger headlight would be. My friend started really freaking out at this moment. He locked the doors and was like, hell no, we gotta go. Eventually, the car started. 
The children didn't move and the kids stayed put in front of my car. Eventually, my friend yelled to the kid, I'm going to run you over. At which point the boy slowly backed away, raised his arm, and pointed at us as we left. I didn't look back. End quote. Our second encounter is from Reddit user Shred Sled. Quote, I don't know what to make of this. I've always been aware of black-eyed children as cryptids or demons. I worked the overnight shift at 7-Eleven, and the other night I was doing my shift change. At 2.47 a.m., as I was finishing, the door chime went off and caused me to look up. The door was wide open, but starting to creep shut. Beyond the door, on the other side of the gas pumps next to the air pump, I saw two kids, a boy and a girl. The boy had on normal clothes, and the girl had on a white top half dress with a black bottom. This was confusing. It's 2.50 a.m., I thought. So I finished counting the money, and when I looked up, they were still there. By now, I already felt like something was off. I was experiencing anxiety, and my arm hairs were charged with static. I walked out front, and I said, Hey guys, what are you doing out here alone? I received no responses, which made me fearful. Then the girl, clearly a year or two younger, hopped off the curb playfully. I said to them, come inside where it's warm. But when I said that, my whole body shut down, and I'd never felt more fear in my life. I pulled myself up by the door handle, and I felt like a bag of rocks inside. The second I was inside, the fear subsided. I ran behind my counter so fucking fast. I sat there and watched them cross over to the next curb towards the other building. It was now 3.05 a.m., and I never saw them emerge again. I have to go back to work tonight. I've been off since then, and I'm absolutely terrified. I invited them in. So damn it, I'm in trouble. End quote. Our third encounter is from an anonymous Reddit user. Quote, When I was a kid, my little brother and I visited my grandparents in Taliqua, Oklahoma every summer. It was a pretty boring town. The last summer we spent there, I was 11, that age between wanting so badly to be seen as a teenager, but still finding enjoyment in Bratz dolls. My brother was eight and wouldn't settle down unless he had his Nintendo DS. I didn't dread visiting my grandparents like many children do. Other than the cultural shock that came from leaving our home in LA to the relatively small Oklahoma town, I loved spending time with my grandparents and so did my brother. They spoiled us with toys and ice cream. On a Thursday afternoon, my little brother and I were playing at the elementary school across the street from my grandparents' house. If you've ever been to Oklahoma, you probably know how quickly the weather can change. It's not uncommon for it to snow one day and be in the 70s the next. 
This day went from sunny to cloudy extremely quickly. It didn't begin raining or lightning, so my brother and I continued to play. But these weren't normal clouds. They looked heavier and thicker, and they were almost black. I'm still not sure if the clouds were some sort of warning for what was about to happen, or if I'm just trying to connect things. A girl who was probably 9 or 10 showed up at some point. She didn't have parents with her, but it was a safe town and not uncommon for kids to walk around. She introduced herself as Allie. She was blonde and blue-eyed. And she told us one grotesque story about the dear lady, who was a heartbroken woman that went insane and cut her legs off and stitched the deer's legs onto her torso in place. Her final story inspired what we thought would be a fun adventure. She told us a chief's 15-year-old daughter had been brutally murdered by her white husband on their anniversary for flirting with another man. They buried her out of respect and never removed her gravestone when the school was built. Allie told us it would take a bit of maneuvering, but there was a panel that could be removed and we could crawl underneath the school and see the gravestone. We were all in shape, so we began our adventure. To our disappointment, The panel had been screwed shut, and it had started to rain. My brother and I decided to go home. However, Allie insisted that there had to be another way in. I tried to tell her that her parents would probably be worried, and that it would be best for her to go home too. But she was determined to find a way in. My brother and I went into my grandparents' house and changed into some dry clothes, drank Kool-Aid, and watched TV. While my brother and grandparents were watching The Fairly Odd Parents, I noticed I could still see Allie, drenched in rain and trying to find a way underneath the school from the living room window. Eventually, she did. I watched her crawl in, but I never saw her crawl out. We sat through an entire episode of The Fairly Odd Parents and half an episode of Drake and Josh, so it had to have been 45 minutes. That night, I had trouble sleeping. I told myself she had to have come out a different way, or maybe she came out when I wasn't looking and finally drifted off. The next morning I woke up refreshed. I was certain Allie had found a way out. My grandparents took us to the carnival and to Brahms, the local ice cream shop. It was six o'clock in the evening when we got home and my grandma began cooking supper while my grandpa took a nap. My brother and I were kids though, and still had lots of energy left. So we went across the street to play some more, and our grandma told us she would call us when supper was ready. I told my little brother that I had seen Allie go underneath the school, and asked him if he was up for an adventure. He agreed, and I went to the panel where I saw Allie loosen it. We crawled underneath the school and my brother followed. The remaining daylight flooded into the basement, providing us with just enough light to see things directly in front of us. The ground was cold, wet dirt, and there were many pipes and old basketballs to crawl around. I immediately spotted eight to ten headstones, though. The first one was directly to the right of my brother and I, but the name was too faded to read. I was feeling kind of creeped out that Allie had been right, 
and we were crawling over a bunch of dead bodies. I probably would have left, but my brother didn't seem afraid at all, and I wanted to seem braver than him. So I crawled to the next stone. This one read Andrew Cummings, and had a birth date of 1890, and a death date of 1902. There was one to the left of it that read Allison Cummings, and had a birth date of 1893, and a death date of 1902 as well. This freaked me out even more, and made me think of Allie, who had the same name, and looked about the same age as the dead girl several feet below me. My brother suddenly shouted, Look, something in the corner just moved. Before I could tell him that we should leave immediately, he shoved me out of the way and began crawling incredibly fast to the corner furthest from us. I could clearly see a couple of large figures moving, but couldn't make out much else. They're probably just dogs, let's go, I told him. But as he crawled, I crawled right behind him, getting closer and closer to the larger figures that began more and more to look like silhouettes of three people sitting against a wall with their knees to their chest. When they came into clear view, my brother turned around and crawled underneath me. I held him close to my chest. We were both terrified. The first girl was clearly Allie, except she didn't look as lively as she had looked yesterday. She wasn't smiling, and her hair was stringy. Next to her was a boy, who looked close in age to me and had no hair at all. He wasn't smiling either. Then there was a girl who looked more normal than Allie or the boy. Her skin was dark, and her hair was so long it bunched up at the ground. She looked like she was about 16, but her facial expression was the scariest. It was one of absolute despair. The scariest part about all of them was their eyes. I could see my brother's eyes glowing, but none of their eyes glowed. It didn't even really look like they had eyes, just pits of darkness. Allie smiled and said, thank God you guys came. The other two laughed. Yeah, well, we're going to be leaving now, I said, trying my hardest to sound casual and not scared. All three laughed, and the other girl spoke up. No, you're not. I pushed my brother in the direction we came in, and he began quickly crawling away. I heard my grandma calling out to us and called out to her to help us. All three of them suddenly stopped laughing. Allie suddenly looked scared, and she said, Leave right now, and never tell a soul you saw us. You got lucky. We didn't have to be told twice, and quickly crawled out. At dinner that night, my brother and I chalked up our silence to it having been a long day, and us being tired. We never played at the playground across the street again, and rarely talked about the incident. Five months after we left, my grandparents were murdered in their own home. A neighbor had said she had seen my grandma let three children into their home the day of the murder. A bald boy, a blonde girl, 
and a dark-haired girl. Cops were never able to find any leads, and the case was eventually closed. Neither my brother nor I plan to visit Taliqua or even Oklahoma ever again. But I know that it doesn't matter. I'm certain that one day they'll show up at my doorstep. I know I'll tell them to go away, and I can only hope that will be enough. End quote. I'll confess, I've never encountered black-eyed children, but the idea scares me. Because while it's easy to say we would never fall for their plan, most of us, me included, are inclined to help others in need, especially children. And that's what makes black-eyed children so damn scary. They use your compassion against you while simultaneously praying on your deepest fears. So where you shouldn't invite them in, it's likely by the time you realize your mistake, it'll be too late. At the beginning of this episode, I asked two questions. What makes the black-eyed children so scary? And how would you respond if one night you opened your door to find them standing there? I shared the details. Now you decide for yourself. I'm your host, Will. Thanks for joining me in the Red Treehouse.